Good morning, Victory family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of this amazing congregation called Victory Church of Charlottesville, where our vision is to see people reconciled to God and to each other. Thank you so much for tuning in today and, and making us your church home for about an hour. And for those of you who call Victory home, and you continue to serve faithfully as unto the Lord, I thank God for you every day. And may God meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We've been in a sermon series entitled, He is Risen. And the good news today is he's still risen. He's still risen indeed. Last week, we talked about the woman who came to the tomb, found it empty. The angels of the Lord reminded them of what Jesus said had to happen. And for us, we, we get to also be reminded and, and we get to remember his word, particularly in seasons that we find ourselves in right now, and remember who he is for us, to us, in us, and through us. John chapter 16, verse 33, the Lord says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You're going to have some trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so we get to remember his word. And today I want to talk about what happens next. If we're not careful, we can. Some of us get so wrapped up in the planning and the execution of the traditions associated with the holiday that we miss that it represents a lifestyle. I'm not mad at the holiday at all. In fact, I'm, I'm happy that the whole world on this day acknowledges the most important event in history. And yet, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, it's meant to be a lifestyle. And so what next? And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, as we address what is next. For some of us, this may be an unfamiliar passage of scripture, and if it is, Allow it to transform your life. For those of us, perhaps, for whom this passage is familiar, maybe you've memorized it already, allow it to transform your life. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to study your word. We pray according to Psalm 119 and 18 that you open up our eyes so that we may see everything here for us. Holy Spirit, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, and it reads this way. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Title of the message this morning is, What Now? What Now? Verse 19 begins with, Therefore, in my victory family, we know that when there is a therefore, we want to know what it is Therefore, And so we go back a little bit to get some, some more context. And in this chapter, we can go back one verse and really have a sense for what it's there for. But we'll bump back a few verses and revisit Mary Magdalene and, and the other woman who visited 
the tomb only to find it empty. And the angel says he's risen. Go and tell his disciples. And, and indeed they go and tell and begin to, 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 to find the disciples. And on the way, Jesus meets them. And there's a moment where they clasp his feet and they worship him. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Go, as you've been told, go and tell my disciples I'm risen and that I'm going ahead to Galilee and I'll meet you all there. And so a woman, they go, they tell the disciples and disciples make their way. And as they see Jesus from afar, some of them believe, some of them doubt. And as Jesus came close, he says this in verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Makes me think of a, uh, a wedding that I was privileged to officiate uh, several years ago now. And it was at a time where I was serving in ministry, but I had yet to be given any authority, particularly in this state, to pronounce anyone husband and wife. But these were really good friends of ours. And they said, Paul, you've been serving in ministry. We would love for you to steward this ceremony. You know us and, and you can personalize it in a way that others could not. Will you do it? I said, absolutely. And we'll need to have somebody else there who can more formally, with authority, pronounce you husband and wife so that it's legal. And so we do. We have an amazing time. It's my honor and privilege to serve my our good friends in this way. And at the end of the ceremony, almost like Houdini, this gentleman stepped in and said, and by the power invested in me, I pronounce you husband and wife. And Houdini again, exit stage right. I had no authority to pronounce them husband and wife. Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It says this in Philippians 2 verse 9. God exalted him and gave him the name that was above every other name. Such that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every tongue would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is about the time where I'd say turn to your neighbor, but turn to your virtual neighbor and text them and just say authority matters. Authority matters. And so what now? And I'd like to uh, just highlight three points, if you will, of admonishment for all of us as we address that question today. One, get active. Two, glorify God. And three, give who you have. Get active. It says in verse 19, therefore, go. Go and make. My wife and I, not unlike many of you who have elementary age children, are now reflecting back to uh, not just what we learned, but how we learned what we learned in elementary school. Addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, subject, verb, retelling stories, all of it. And one of us tends to do a lot better with understanding how we learned it than the other. I can do multiplication and division, but I can't tell you how I learned it. And so in our context, in our home, we are structuring the space in such a way that complements our skill sets well to serve our students and our kids, our students, our children who are now students of ours in a different context. Anyways, we, we get to serve them as best we know how. And for us, it looks like me 
kind of structuring the space and the, the, the outlining the day and how much time we'll spend on this or that and when we go outside to get vitamin D and how often during the day, when we want to be done with the day, etc. Along with coming alongside them to encourage them and push them and celebrate them. But Taylor is the real MVP because she's there in the nitty gritty going from learning objective to learning objective and walking through all of the assignments being given and now getting new information to facilitate their understanding of. And so I asked her, when we look at these words, go and make, what do we make of them? And she told me, so you can be mad at her, that these are action words. Go and make this. Go it is implying move. Get up. There's motion involved. There's energy. There's, there's movement involved. Get up and do something. When I tell my children, hey, go get your pajamas on, the understanding is they are going to move their bodies and act upon what it is that I said for them to do. Therefore, go. And some of us, if we're not careful, I don't know that we would ever explicitly say or, or do this, but, but we, we, we do it. We insert, almost like in Microsoft Word, if you think of uh, track changes, for those of you who, who, who edit or review papers or documents, there's this function in Microsoft Word where you can, you can turn on track changes such that you can edit, have comments on the side, change words out, plug words in, etc. And some of us, if we're not careful, we insert like track changes, words that don't appear in the text, but, but play out in our lives. For example, we might say, therefore, pastor, go. Therefore, uh, if your mama or your daddy was a pastor, <laughs> go. Therefore, if you went to seminary, go. Therefore, if your schedule's not too busy, ouch. Therefore, if you can make some room, go. Therefore, if it's comfortable for you, go. We insert some things in the text that's not there. And the only problem with that is that Jesus sent us this manuscript not for our review. This, known as the Great Commission, these two verses, it's not the great suggestion. It's not the, the, the great idea or the great theory that he's submitting for our consideration or for our pondering. He's submitting this manuscript for our consumption and our applications. He says, therefore, go, get active, move, get up, get uncomfortable, get off the couch, get out the pews. I'm calling you to go and move and do something. Get active. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. Make followers of Jesus Christ. Make students of the word of God. Go and make. And then he says, and we'll talk a little bit about in a moment, just how we can go and make disciples. He says, make disciples of all nations. Isaiah chapter 49 and 6 the Lord says this, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. 
Family, Jesus is calling us to, to, to break out of the box that we've put him and our faith walk in. To look past who it's comfortable to see or be around. To look past what, what does fit in our schedule, if you will. To look past those who just look like us. Not past, but in addition to those who look like us. To look for those who are not just in our tax bracket, but for those who are not. He says, make disciples of all nations, those who, who use TikTok and use it very easily. And those who just learned Facebook yesterday in the midst of this surreal space we find ourselves in. Those in your generation, those in the generation before you, those in the generation behind you. Make disciples, he says, of all nations. Get active. And as you get active in making disciples of all nations, make sure you glorify God, point two. Glorify God. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glorify God. In short, Cliff Notes version, if you will, make disciples of Jesus and not you. This is not about me. It's not about us. It's not about uh, our platform. It's not about our followers. It's not even about our ministry. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18, it says he he reconciles us unto himself. He spread his arms out and died for us on the cross. It's his reconciliation work that he then says, I'm giving you the ministry to steward. So, yes, he's given us that ministry, but he is the great reconciler and there is no reconciliation without him. So it's not even our ministry. He's just privileged us with the opportunity to steward the power of the gospel here in the earth, helping to see his will in heaven done on earth. It's not about us. Glorify God in everything that we do. Colossians 3 says, as often as you do what you do, do it as unto the Lord, everything. So as you go and as you make disciples, make sure you're not making disciples of you or the church name. It's not about us, but baptize them in the name of the Father. The one who so loved the world that he that he gave, John 3.16 says, he gave his only begotten son. His son who emptied himself, Philippians 2 talks about, emptied himself of divinity, taking on human flesh, paying First, living a sinless life, which we should have lived, and then going on to pay the wages of our sins, which was death. Three days later, of course, rising from the dead. Good news, offering us the opportunity at eternal life. And the Holy Spirit, he who was given when Jesus ascended to the Father and sits on the right hand of the, of the Father with all power in his hands, the Holy Spirit given to us, Acts 1 and 8 says, so that we might have power to be what? To be witnesses. Acts 1 and 8, as Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll, be, you'll have power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Jerusalem, he says in Acts 1 and 8, if I might digress for a little bit, but it's all related. For us, that means be a witness at home. At home. Um, and I would dare to guess even right now, some of y'all can raise your virtual hands and say, we need the Holy Spirit to be a witness in our own home with your with your roommate, with your spouse, your children. And if it's just you with yourself, amen, we need the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. That reconciliation work, when we talk about our vision, Victory Fam, of being reconciled to God and to each other, it begins in Jerusalem, at home. And then, yes, as we get our house in order, we go out, we go out to our neighbors and to those on the next block, the next city over, the next state over, all of the country, Judea, Samaria, all of the uttermost parts of the earth. Glorify God. We're coming back to that point. Make it about him. The Apostle Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13, he said, is Christ divided? Have you been baptized in the name of Paul? Has Paul been crucified for you? Of course, it's a rhetorical question. No. And so ensure that you're glorifying me as you go and make disciples. Oh, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in his sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Glorify him because it's all about him and his glory. Make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, give who you are. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And that, if we're honest, I'm smiling because I know that can seem daunting. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus, I don't even know everything you've commanded. I'm, an, I'm new to Jesus. I, I've just been just been born again. I don't know Jesus and I'm trying to figure out if I do want to. I, I've known him for a long time and I, I'm still figuring out like I don't know much of anything. You want me to teach them everything? And even that which I do know, I don't even obey myself all the time. God, how am I, how am I to, how am I to do this? And the good news there is he's not relying on you or me. John chapter 14 and 26 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. He's not even relying on us. And so we shouldn't either. Rely on who is inside of you and give who you have. <coughs> I recall some years ago, I was uh, uh, facilitating, leading a small group. It's going back a few years of some young men. And these young men were sharp, just incredibly bright. And they knew the word of God. And I remember having a moment of like, oh, man, what if I don't know all the answers to their questions? And, and God just checked me. He said, it ain't about you. Yes, study my word and have an answer to those who, who, who ask you about the hope that you have. Absolutely. Second Timothy, study to show yourself approved, the workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Absolutely. And 
Give them who you have. Who do you have, Paul? You have me in your testimony. Who do you have? You have Jesus. The hope of glory and the testimony he has given you. Did he not wake you up this morning and every morning for the past X number of years? Has he not given you peace in the midst of chaos when you should have lost your mind? Did he not heal your physical body at one point? Did he not bring you through some craziness and somehow you still have your mind intact? Did he not provide for you when you thought there was no way you were going to make it? Did he not snatch you out of the pit of death when you thought for sure you were about to close your eyes and cross on over? Has he not made a way for you? Give who you have. And who you have is his testimony in your life. And I remember when God checked me in that moment, I said, oh, my goodness, who do I have? I have a God who has brought me and my wife Taylor together and made us one. The mystery of Christ. Give them who you have, Paul. Give them who you have who brought you out of depression once upon a time and, and has continued to heal you and open up your mouth now for others experiencing very similar experiences. Open up and give to them who you have. Give them the Jesus that allowed you to stand by your mother's bedside as she prepared for brain aneurysm surgery and, and have the peace that passed all understanding because you knew she was in his hand. Give them who you have. Who do you have? You have the Holy Spirit who you, you can rely on for power to remind you of just how good he's been to you, in you, and through you. Which then you can be relieved of not having all the answers. Hey, who does? The more that I've learned, I recognize my little island of knowledge is surrounded by a vast sea of unknown things to me. Who knows it all? We don't. Oh, but the Holy Spirit will bring back to our remembrance that which he has done and said in and to us in our lives. And we can then give who we have. And how do we do that? Well, one way clearly is what I've been called to do in this setting. But this is far from the only way to teach them to obey everything that he has commanded. We can teach by modeling, again, in our lives, how we take the next step of obedience. Notice I didn't say modeling perfection. Part of our teaching is showing ourselves authentic enough to say, every day I'm submitting my life, Romans 12 and 1, as a living sacrifice to our Lord, holy and acceptable. Every day I'm confessing, 1 John 1 and 9, my sins to him, knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Oh, we can teach not necessarily by being loud with our mouths, but living loud lives of praise and glory to the, our Heavenly Father. I start out every service by saying, Psalm 118 and 24, this is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. It's not because circumstances always say rejoice. Oh, but it's because God is still on the throne and the sacrifice he made over 2,000 years ago is still enough for me to rejoice even in the midst of very uncomfortable situations. We can teach. We can teach them to obey in a variety of ways. How has God called and wired you to go? How's he called you to get up and move and act and make followers and make students of the word of God? The good news is each of us has been given a measure of grace to do just that. Get active. Glorify God. Give who 
You have. We have here at uh, Victory Church and as a part of our larger Every Nation family of churches, a small book. It's called the Purple Book and <clears throat> nothing deep or weird about it. It's, the book is purple, so it's called the Purple Book. But it's a book on biblical foundations for forming strong disciples. Have lots of free copies that we would typically give out as a church. Now you can find it on Kindle or a hard copy if it might take you a long time to get it mailed to you. But it, it is a way for us to continue. I go through it at least once a year to continue to be grounded in the foundations of our word. And it's literally a step by step process for how we might go and make disciples, how we might sit with another, sit with a group and walk through the foundations of scripture that that speak to why do we believe what we believe? Who is Jesus? Who is he to us? What is sin? What is it we're repenting for? What happens after this life? All of the foundations of scripture, it walks us through so that you don't have to do it alone. You know how then you can pray for others. You know how then you can uh, 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 commune and converse with others around the word of God. He's called this family to go. What now? What now that he has risen, ascended to the father? Oh, now we get to go. And I pray, I pray and, and, and I beg all of us to go. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey, not just know, head knowledge, but to have it drop 18 inches to our heart and be applied to our lives, teaching them to obey every command that he has given to us. And lo, I will be with you always. We talk about giving who we have. Oh, who we have on the inside is always with us. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's walking beside us every single day. We are not alone. And so, as it says in First Peter, we, we can serve then out of the strength that he provides. When we speak, we can speak the very words of Christ. Why? Because he is with us until the very end of the age. Even in this season now, as we close, we, we are not alone. Our God, he sees us. He sees us. He cares for us. And he is near. Particularly right now in the season we find ourselves in, in this pandemic too. He is near to the brokenhearted. Heavenly Father, as we lift up the words of this message and the words of, of Matthew chapter 28 and 19 and 20, we ask that you would enter our hearts in a new way. Remind us that in this season, in any season, on the mountain, in the valley, busy schedule, no schedule, some income, no income, that you've called us to go. You've called us to go and tell the good news that it is an imperative for each of us who calls you Lord. That you've put a song in our heart. That you've given us words by your word through this unique house. Not made, uh, God, without purpose. The Bible says you knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. You've given us a voice. And a particular voice through which your word can be articulated to those you 
called us to articulate them to help us in this season to go. Help us to get out of our comfort zone. Help us to, to move in ways perhaps we've not had to. It might be social media now. It might be reaching out to those we've not reached out to before. It might be engaging those that are right in our home that we've not engaged in a way that proves your reconciliation power. God, help us today to go. And if you're sitting in your seats there on your couch or wherever you're watching this broadcast today and have yet to give your life to Jesus Christ, there is never a bad time to make a great decision. You can do just that. If you want to say yes to the Lord, pray these words with me. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I commit today to turn from everything that the Bible calls sin and to follow you with all of my heart. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice with those who have given their lives over to Jesus. And today we virtually rejoice with those of you who have made that decision. And all that I ask is that you let us know. We live this life of faith in community. Let us know. You can do that a number of ways in the YouTube chat there. You can go on the app and submit a connect card through the app. You can go on our website, victorysevil.org, and do the same thing. Let us know so that we can walk out the next steps with you. And if you desire, we'd also love to pray with you. Whether you made that decision today or you just want prayer, there will be a link posted in, in, in just a few, if not already, in our YouTube chat. And uh, you'll see a graphic show up here in a moment on the screen that can tell you right now in real time how you can pray with some of our volunteer prayer team here at Victory Church. We want to partner with you and pray with you for your most pressing needs and anything that you want to lift up to our Heavenly Father in this season. We thank you guys for joining us today again. We love you and let's live in victory.